Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. The Behind the You podcast is brought to you by UFIT Gyms. Train together, win together. Introducing UFIT Gyms as the official fitness center for the Miami Hurricanes. Ready to join them. All it takes is a dollar. Let's go Canes. A 35th anniversary, 35 years. Holy crap. 35th anniversary edition of the Behind the You podcast as we celebrate the 1987 championship team. Greg Mark. Melvin Bratton, thanks for doing this, and welcome. Well, thanks for having us. 35 years, Melvin, 35 years, bro. Christ. Hey, that's a long time. Yeah, so I was, we should just point out, Melvin, thanks for, um, thanks for having children, and thanks for having your daughter remove the sticker from the camera so we could actually see that beautiful <laughs> face of yours. But the fact that I can see you now, as I told you before, gives me hope because that white beard is glorious and looks beautiful, and I can't wait till this thing works its way to both cheeks i'm bringing sexy I got a, back i got another perspective back. of that melvin i, I want to get your daughter on the phone so you can put the sticker back on <laughs> <laughs> okay pinsalkin pinsalkin finest that's right baby pinsalkin. look at that look at his house look at that thing it looks like he's living in jersey with one of those wood or tile floors tv in the back he's by the way melvin i just want you to know he's in the chill zone right now he's in the chill zone there you go chill room right i see <laughs> I, I, I see you with the chill room Hey, you know, that's all my wife's doing. You know that, bro. Right, right. Jessica gets it done right around here. Every room's got a theme. There we go. There we go. What's your, so what's the, what's the theme in the master? Uh, Doghouse. <laughs> oh, you were talking, talking about my room. Oh. Yes, your room. <laughs> oh, the, the, dog you, house. Work, the work room? That's the master bedroom. <laughs> I got you. All right, fellas, let's start here. 35 years. Give me a, all right, reunion, North Carolina. And I'm sure you guys keep in touch with teammates and friends, but give me some, Greg, I'll start with you. Give me someone that maybe you don't talk to a lot or often that you're just dying, that you hope is there, that you're dying to see. Oh man. You know, there's so many, so many great guys, you know, at that time. And, and I'm sure Melvin will, will, will definitely back me up on this. I mean, you got guys that we know, obviously you got, you know, Michael and Melvin and Steve Walsh and uh, Cleveland Gary and the guys that, you know, Daryl Fullington, those guys that made it happen. But then you got guys like Brad Vespi and uh, Barry Panfill and Sandy Jack called me. He goes, hey, this is your favorite uh, special team guy. I hear you're <laughs> the guy that's having that tailgate, trying to get me to have a tailgate party. I'm not falling for that crap, but but he's trying. But, uh, you know, I'm really telling you what who I'm looking to see is uh, Mike Piggs, to be honest with you. Always had a great time talking with him and just always like to see how he's doing from what he went through. Obviously, seeing guys like Melvin, Bill Hawkins, and guys that you know that were roommates and 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 close friends is is always great to see. But uh, there's so many great guys, so many great characters, and such a great time we have when we get together. Melvin, what about you? Well, this um, guess who I spoke to today, uh, Greg? Mike Azar. My, oh, <laughs> I, I just hung up with Azar, checked on him, making sure he's coming, and he was an intricate part of us. And uh, it just, like I said, so many guys. We we had the largest largest class coming back. It's like 68 guys that Mike, you know, saying that uh, Rick had told us. Rick Rimmer says it's 68. I'm like, wow. So this is the biggest class ever. But you know what? Mike Azar said something. This was the class that actually the fifth year class that started, you know, saying that their freshman class of 83. Because Alonzo, Greg Ricosi, uh, Winston Moss, and uh, we had one more, Jerome Brown, of course. Those guys didn't get redshirted when we all came in in 83. So 
to see this whole come to fruition in the year that we really thought that we would we should have won it was the Penn State year. Everybody had the hype, the fatigues, and the whole entire deal. And we went you know, and flopped and didn't then win it. Who would have known that you could not have told me in that locker room after that loss of Penn State that we we're gonna come back and win an championship the next year? I knew we had all of the, the puzzles and the pieces to do it, but with a new quarterback for Steve Walsh, everybody was doubting Steve. And they gave him, I mean, the media really beat him up about the skinny kid from Minnesota. Can't get it done. He can't throw an out route. And Steve went and worked his behind off this offseason. And when he showed up at camp, tell him, Greg, I was like, holy crap, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger right here? He done this. <laughs> he well, don't screen. give him too much there, Melvin. Arnold Schwarzenegger might be a little <laughs> too far. But, but I get you. Yes, he did work his, his butt off. To get himself into 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 that to play himself into that role because he knew it was his. Yeah. You know? So All it's right. funny you guys should mention that. So how tough was that loss? Eighty six. I mean, that it's funny in this program's history. There's been accomplished so much, but still, with me as a kid who grew up here, watched the team, watched those games. Now a broadcaster, some of the losses still hit home with more clarity than the wins because you start thinking about what could have happened if. But how how excruciatingly painful was that loss? It, it was very hard for all of us. Like you said, we, we, we were brash. And I mean, you look at the stats, but I tell people, you can have all the stats in the world. When that clock goes zero, 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 and when it says a W and the L, all that go out the window. All that, about 438 total offense. They only had 139. They only had this. And they didn't have that many first downs, but they won the game. And one of the things, Greg, I don't know if you knew this, I was talking to some Penn State guys, you know, we, we were hanging out, uh, we were somewhere at a function. I did not know that Jimmy Johnson went over to their locker room after that loss and he spoke to the team and congratulated them. I did not know that. That was a class act on Jimmy's part. He went in Penn State's locker room and, and went to return those guys and, and, and gave them props as far as that win. Did you know that, Greg? I did not know that. I, I yes. tell you what, that takes Jimmy to another. He's already on a pedestal, but that that definitely just gives him one more notch because when you ask that question, Josh, how hard was that loss? I mean, I, I've been, I was fortunate enough not to be in my career at the University of Miami, not to be around too many losses, you know, when, when I was playing, you know, but that one, you know, 1A, 1B to me, you know, because I got uh, the game up in Notre Dame, that game obviously was bigger because it was for all the marbles. But then, you know, I just happened to be a coach for when we lost to, uh, or, or when we we got the uh, Terry Portered in, uh, Terry in Porter. the Rose Bowl. So you talk about losses, you know. I never, no one ever likes to lose, but definitely, definitely on the top of the top of the mountain uh, that loss because we were supposed to win. We were better than them. But like Melvin said, unless on that, on that clock zero zero zero, if you don't have more points. No matter what you did in the stat lines, you know, and not only that, I, I mean, in Melvin can test I me. Mean, we had guys that were the heart and soul of what built this program to where it was that this was their, this was their time. And, and not, which guys, Greg, which guys you get a guy like, like, like Jerome Brown, who, you know, was a leader in all aspects, but he wasn't a guy to stand up and, 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 and shout. But when he talked and Melvin, you tell me if I'm wrong. People listened and followed. E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he talked, everybody was quiet, you know. And But that group of guys, I mean, there was like seven or eight guys I know that got drafted that year, and they went on to have great careers. But uh, we had uh, such great talent. But they they're the, they were the foundation. They were the ones that talked. I was just a redshirt freshman. 
you know, so, and I was still, and they taught me the ropes and I know how much it meant for them. And I think, you know, again, Melvin can probably test that, that we won for each other, you know, and, and when we lost, listen, we, I knew we had, I had, it hurt, but I had game more games to play. Those guys did. That was, the, that was their time and, and we didn't get it done for them. And, um, you know, it was disappointing, you know, to say the least. Melvin, you talked about that class that you were a part of, but you redshirted. So how, why was that class so important? I guess you're talking about your class 83. Yes. I mean, because um, you had a um, Miami at that time, and uh, Alonzo and I were close friends. We, we met in high school, and uh, we stayed in contact during the season. We played against each other every year at Columbus and Northwestern, and we became friends. So I, I recall sitting, you know, saying on the phone one night, we going back and forth. I had visited Michigan, Ohio State, Pitt, yeah, Texas and them. And Alonzo and I was on the, on, the, on, the, on the phone late night, and we was trying to figure, like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? We was comparing the trips. And I think I said, hi, you know what? I'm really sick and tired of all these tradition with Michigan said, don't go to Ohio State. Ohio State guys said, don't go to Michigan. I mean, Alonzo and Heisman just decided to stay home. So how'd you meet Alonzo? Because you guys were, became friends in high school. Yes, we met at a, at a, at, at a track meet, a high school track meet. And uh, we, we became friends then. I got gotcha. you. Because you were a badass track guy, weren't you? Many, many pounds ago, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what was, the, <laughs> what was the appeal of UM at the time? And, and how did Howard Coach Schnellenberger kind of present it to you? Because as, as I've known many people who played for him, and he was one of a kind. Well, I mean, you know what? He didn't come in like the rest of those guys. He didn't sell a bunch of bull crap. He just basically said, listen, if you want to be part of something special that I'm building, you can be the, the you know, the, the rock, you know, saying your class could be that class. And once I, you know, realized that we were going to do that, I called Coach Alexander. You know, what, what happened there is, you know, they banded together, basically. You know, Melvin and Alonzo, they got a list of the guys they were recruiting. And because they decided to stay open, they started calling those guys, the Blades and, the, and, and, and the, you know, the, the Irvins and all those guys that came in. They started recruiting for the University of Miami. Let's stay at home. All these South Florida guys. And that was and that's what I'm talking about, the core of our program, right? you know, the core of the, the building of that program. Obviously, 83 and building off of that, but keeping these guys like Melvin and Alonzo and, and, and all the South Florida guys in, you know, that's the core. Now, I'm just a small, I was just a 215-pound, 6'2", skinny basketball player came from New Jersey. I had no idea about it all. But those guys are, what, like I'm saying, were the foundation that, that, that taught us, taught all these other guys that came in from either the Northeast or anywhere else and taught us how to play this game and what it means to be a Hurricane. And that's, that's where it all began. So, Melvin, you said Coach Nellenberger was no bullcrap. Not at all. No nonsense. And he was, <laughs> Greg would tell you, he was a business-minded guy, and he treated you like a, as a corporation, and everybody respected this guy. When he came in the locker room, we could be joking and playing. We stopped whatever we were doing, and he'll come through there with his pipe, and we could smell it over the wall, and then he'll walk through. Then we like, he said, how you doing, gentlemen? Hey, coach. Then when he go through that door, closes, then we pick back up. That's how he was like. <laughs> like the parting of the Red Sea, right? That's how powerful he was. Yeah, he had that. He had that personality. That's hey, listen. That's what it took to get these, those guys, and build that foundation. And that's that's where it all began, I believe. So we, let's go back to the Fiesta Bowl from this standpoint. So obviously it hurt. It was painful. That you thought you know dominated, but no W. So what was that off season like? That off season was interesting. 
But like I said, we didn't know who, you know, we, we got a young guy, you know, saying from Minnesota who's leading, you know, saying the team. We had Craig Erickson as a young guy who had a rifle, the new John Elway. I mean, he was, I mean, he would throw the heck out of the ball. So we had to find our identity. We knew on defense, Greg, I mean, they had a, we had a hell of a defense outside of the ball, but we had new starters, you know, saying Warren Williams, myself, Leonard Conley, Cleveland Gary. So here we are with four new backs coming in. Darrell Oliver and Lazo Hospice has moved on. So we're trying to find the, the mixture of, you know, who, what, what synergy it is. We got a new receiver core, you know, saying with Mike Irvin, Brett Perriman, and Brian Blades. So we had receivers, Alfredo and Charles Henry at tight end. So we had a chemistry of guys, but who was going to throw the ball to them? You know, we knew that we can hang out. But let me tell you this story, Josh, real quick. Mike Irvin. That's what I finally, guys, just go, man. Storytelling time. Hey, I, don't want to, I don't want no, you know, co coach speak, blob, you know, generic vanilla stuff, dude. Come on now. Let's go. Let's go. So listen, so I was wondering why Mike Irvin was Steve Walsh will wait for Mike to come out all his breaks. And, and I mean, he looked for Mike every single play. So we the first game, I think, who we opened up with, Greg? Was it Florida? Florida. Florida, yeah. Florida. Florida. And I'm sitting there like, and, and he's waiting and he's, I mean, he's not locking in nobody but Mike. So I'm like, okay, I'm steady blocking and blocking. It got to a point where I had to actually act like I got beat and push the guy inside and I would step on the other side and wave and, and Steve, he, he would dump me the ball. That's the only way I got the ball. So Mike was leading the country in receiving yards and touchdowns. So it's like week two or three. And I use this now as a sports agent for my players. I tell them, get close to the quarterback. I read the paper. Michael Irvin goes to Minnesota, spends a week with Steve Walsh. Okay? <laughs> goes to listen. Mike is nowhere near a Catholic. He went to church with Steve, get on his knees, get up, prayed, and drinking Kool-Aid. I mean, bro, he did it all. And I read this article. I said, this son of a bee. I said, he did not do this. But he was a businessman. He knew he was leaving on that year. So he went and spent time with Steve for, for that weekend or week, whatever it was, and they jail. And that's how, you know, Mike, but they, they both deny it today that, oh, that didn't happen. I said, that's bull crap. So, yes, that's, I, I, I use that now for my young players. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. Hey, Greg, so look, 80, 84, Jimmy, right? We know it was, that, was a, that was a weird year, right? 85, lose to Tennessee, 80, 86, the Fiesta Bowl. So, again, with Melvin, in terms of that offseason, how did Jimmy handle that? I mean, I was it intense? Was it like, no, we got this? Like, what was, how was he? How did he handle you guys? Because I imagine there was some degree of, pressure well jimmy always being the psychologist you know he's always trying to you know find the edge psychologically on us come up with some slogans give us something some carrot to chase somebody to hate somebody to hate us so, you know whatever whatever it is you know he, he had he had a way about doing that and i think i, I really think and and now getting to know jimmy outside of you know 
later in life and him opening up a little more, I really think he, he had no idea what he had coming back in 80. He thought he missed his chance in 86 and 87. You know, he knew he had some young guys and he thought, like Melvin said, you have no quarterback you don't know about. You know, he lost a bunch of key guys. But I think really he focused us in and it, it got intense because it was like unfinished business. You know, I don't remember the slogan that year. What it was, press on or whatever. Is that what it was? Something, yeah. Press on. He come up with some slogan and that's all was printed everywhere. Everywhere you'd look, press on, press on. So it was kind of like, you know, how do you get a, a team that he knows is talented, but not quite as experienced to focus in and, and, and get to the point where, where we, we just were. And yeah, it was a lot. I tell you what, it was a, the summertime going into them workouts. I mean, he had Bill Ferran, who was our strength coach at the time. He was, <laughs> we were doing some stuff that, you know, uh, in the weight room, which our weight rooms was a lot smaller back then than it is now. Well, every, but, I guess everything was smaller <laughs> back then, right? But, uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it was intense. I mean, I think there was there was a little bit of sense of urgency because you know the window closed on them, and we didn't think that way. I mean, we you know, we were pretty confident in what we had coming back. Now we might not have known, but we did know we could damn play on defense. Uh, we had some serious. He had Stubbs and Blades and Fullington and Myron, who's like the tackle leader of everything. You know, we had some guys that knew what they were doing out there. So you know, it was intense, but I think it was, it was one of those things that we need to redeem ourselves. I think we felt embarrassed as well, but, and more so that we didn't finish the job in 86 and had to, had to go out there and, and take it out on the next person just happened to be Florida that next year. So, you know, so. Was it really that Melvin, was it really that much focus on Steve? Yes. Yeah. It, it really was. Cause that was the only really guy that position was so irreplaceable with Bernie Kozar. Then you come back with Tessa Verde now it's like we got a question mark you know saying here's a skinny kid from minnesota nobody knew anything about you know saying him <clears throat> that magnitude other than he has a 9.0 grade average <laughs> as you look back on it because greg you alluded to this what was the genius of jimmy well listen i you know i've been i've been fortunate to be around a lot of coaches i played for one of the greatest high school coaches you know and, and that i felt in new jersey, new jersey history Got drafted by Jimmy John, or got recruited by Jimmy Johnson, drafted by Bill Parcells. Bill Belichick was a D coordinator, played for Bill Belichick, played for Don Shula. And it always goes back. The most influential coach to me in my lifetime was, was my high school coach. I always tell people that because I got to give him the props because that's who got me going. But out of all those other coaches, the, the guy that I love the most and respect the most is, is Coach Johnson because that guy, well, I don't know. It was just his no nonsense, but he was a player's coach. It's hard to explain because he got players coaches that are nice. He wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> he would say, and this is how we go. He go, listen, you guys, you know, you guys that go to class, make plays in their own time. You're my favorite. You other guys, you're on the list, you know, and he would just tell it like it is. And you knew where you stood. You knew if you crossed that line, you weren't going to be playing. And, and, you know, his, his psychology, his, his way of, of putting the outside world against us, making it feel like we had to come together as a group and, and play, uh, you know, against everybody. Because, uh, you know, we, we played a lot of road game. We went everywhere and played everything. I played anybody that we could back then. We, there was no conference that we were in. So he, he, put, he put us, uh, you know, on that, on, that, on that point that we had, everybody was against us and we had to either come together or, or we weren't going to succeed. And 
his psychology in that ring, I think was his, was his, yeah, obviously he's a good X and O guy and he, he knows the game, but his psycho psychological uh, methods were probably, were probably what made him the greatest coach. He had a way of making you feel like you were the guy. I remember coming out going, Hey, you're going to go win. You're going to go win the MVP of this game or whatever. And just, he probably said that to 20 other guys, but I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it made me want to go run through a brick wall. So that's, that was, that's how I felt and still feel about him these days. So now I get to know Jimmy through our fishing tournament and I kind of get to know him now on the backside. He wasn't that hard of a guy. He's kind of, kind of a little, little sorry. He cares. He's got, he's got a full emotions and it's, it's kind of, you were like, wait a second. Are you the same guy? <laughs> it, it's like, he surprised me, but you know, he, 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 you know, he's just, he's one of my favorite people in the world. That's all I got to say right now. So Melvin, how, how, how would you, how would you characterize your coach? Well, <clears throat> let's go with the, the, the duel. So Howard, as we said, was the more the how you doing business type guy. Jimmy was a motivator. When I tell you he's a psychologist, he will have you so amped up. I've never seen a guy, he can have you so convinced to run through a wall. No damn well you can't go to that wall. But his he mentally, psychological would get in your head to the point where he's going to make sure that, like, look, you guys, you can do it. And one of the things too, I was I was over at uh, visiting the University of Miami, uh, Alonzo the other day, and going I went by the building, the Hex Center, and I went to talk to some of the guys in there in the recruiting. And one of the things like trap games, Jimmy and Greg, he can concur to this. He would he would go crazy bananas the weeks before on trap games. He made sure that we stayed focused. We did not lose our focus. I mean, we didn't get comfortable because he knew that you could fall prey any week. You know, like that. And I was telling those guys a story. We have to, you have to make sure that that team is always ready. The games against Florida, Florida State, Oklahoma, you don't need no hype because it's within itself is self-centered. If you don't feel pumped up for those games, something wrong with you. But the games, the Tulsa's of the world, we played Tulsa, we played the, the you know, Cincinnati's. Toledo, I think you played Toledo and, uh, that year. Yeah, we had East Carolina who damn near beat us. You know what I'm saying? Like that. You know what I'm saying? I fumbled the ball right on, on the goal line. You know, like that. So it was 13-7, 13-6. So those were the trap games that he really would get up for. He would like, we like, coach, you're tripping. We got this win. We look at the point spread. We got 38 points. <laughs> you know so mentally, we're like, hey, we're going to the club tonight. Let's just get the first half in, and then we're going to go hang out, you know what I'm saying, and go party. But he would not let us fall prey and fall into a trap. Honestly, though, uh, and and I, I, when we get together next weekend, this weekend, one thing about us as, as a group, we had a certain bond where we didn't see color. We didn't care if you're white, black. We, we didn't care. That's our brothers. You know what I'm saying? We will fight for each other. We will do everything. And that's why teams are trying to adopt that Miami has a brotherhood. They, they don't, they don't, the you, you wouldn't understand. That means a lot. That, that slogan is to you, you wouldn't understand. We will fight each other. If somebody's mom is sick at home or, if Greg didn't have enough money, which he always had money, you know what I'm saying? The Pisaukin guys got paid. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll feed, you know what I'm saying? Us, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we drank from the same bottle. We ate from the same pizza box. We, we shared things. Jerome, I mean, all of us was a brotherhood. There's nothing that we couldn't went to each other for, a dime, a dollar, uh, whatever. They're gonna, we're going to do it for each other. And that's you. I wish I could have stayed in college for 10 years and made $100,000 a year and played without going to the next level because the brotherhood of the, 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 just that camaraderie, you can't replace that. So why, why did you guys make that or was it there when you got there? 
Well, I, you know, coming in again, I, I, when you come in from outside, there was no internet when I came to school there. So I had no idea. What I knew about the University of Miami was three things. I, I, I saw, you know, Melvin playing on, I saw the, the Boston College game, okay, on TV. And I saw you going nuts out there playing, you know, and then I saw the Fiesta Bowl, both, both losses, but just crazy back and forth games. And then I came on a visit and it was, it was January and I was out on the boat. So <laughs> there were the three things I knew about Miami before I came there. So yeah, going in, walking in, I, I, I think it was made in the locker room. I think it was, you know, uh, again, and, and you can get into all the, all the particulars, private school in a, in a, in a, in a, in a upscale, you know, the neighborhood of Coral Gables, guys from all over the place, inner city, uh, Texas, you know, Northeast, so even though there was a lot to do, there wasn't a whole lot of outside. There wasn't an internet. There wasn't, you know, all these different social media. We, we either came together and made each other better and, and hung out together, or you didn't. And if you didn't, you weren't very good. And I think the personalities we had in that class, in that locker room created just such a, such a, such a, an interesting, you know, like I said, there wasn't, nobody saw, we knew each other's backgrounds and differences and we would point it out. Don't get me wrong, Josh. If you did something wrong, you're getting pointed out. But I can tell you right now, it wasn't just about on the block room and the football field. It was everything we did. We go into the basketball, and, you know, into the, into the little basketball center they had next door there. And it was, it was, it was doggy dog in there. There was no, you know, oh, it's okay. No, putting your arm around them. It's out there. You go up for a shot, someone's trying to stuff it in your face. And if you didn't go out there and play and show out, you know, you, you got showed up. And and that, but but it wasn't in a mean or 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 big bully type way. It was compete or get out. And 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 you know, if you compete, you you earn respect. And I think that's that was kind of the you know gladiator type locker room, if you want to call it like it was. But uh, you know, I can tell you once that one story and and, and Alonzo back it up. They, they I used to I played basketball in high school and had a pretty decent vertical being a white guy. Obviously that probably doesn't, doesn't fit the, you know, but Alonzo calls me up and goes, Oh, come out here. Come on. Greg, he thought he was going to cover me. And, and it turns around, I came down the court and he, he was looking at like my, my shoelace as I was dunking on him. You and punched <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> from that day, from that day on, Alonzo goes, I ain't playing that white guy. Yeah, white boy. He's white. He can jump. He's well, he's he's faking. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, it you know, we would it, it wouldn't matter to us. I mean, you know, we we would we would call out our differences, but but it was all in, you know, in brotherhood, you know what I mean? In love. I mean, and, you know, it's it's like brothers fighting, you know. It, it, it uh, you know, you, you, you just uh there is there was no mercy, but there was a lot of love. Let's put it that way. That sounds just like that sounds like my two boys that are right outside that door. Darn right, and you're, you're gonna see it. They're gonna punch each other, but, but hey, don't let anybody else try to break up that fight because they're gonna both turn on him, and that's how we were. <laughs> Make this the day your life changes. The all new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state of the art equipment and a new cross functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. So who was the leader? Like, so who, who was the lead? Like, who did everyone listen to? Well, well I, I'm going to tell you, and he may not tell you, but Melvin, 
you know, he 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 had a big influence in there, you know, and, and I'm going 87 now. Obviously, right. there's Jerome and guys like that, but I'm talking uh, about for 87. Randy Shannon to me, I thought was, you know, he was more laid back and kind of the sit back and watch, but you know, he he had a he had he was like a he was like, I call him the professor. You know, he would analyze stuff and then tell you. And believe it or not, guys like young guys like Russell Maryland came in. He became the his nickname was the conscience because he was always telling you he was always telling us, "Oh, you don't want to do that. You want to do this. You want to go to class. You want to do this. <laughs> come on, Mel. I mean, come on, Russell. We gotta have some fun." You know, Danny Stubbs in his own way. He was a guy to go out there and he would go out and that guy and Melvin can tell you the guy would go all night every night and come on the practice field and go all day every day he he was like the energizer bunny no matter what you didn't want to go out at night with him and think he can come out and play <laughs> yeah. day. but he could do it but in that show he would put on the field there was no there was you either he would go at it and you would follow him because you know he was going in to, to go to battle I don't know he would say was the most vocal I think people stepped up in their own in their own groups you know went with the loss of an Alonzo and the loss of Jerome and that 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 single voice I think you know a bunch of different voices popped up and and guys that uh uh you know you know became leaders you said before Greg you were 6'2 215 what the hell did they see well in you I'll tell then? you you know, I'll tell you the quick story of how I got recruited and Jimmy will tell you and uh I, I used to play basketball like I said I didn't play football till <laughs> high school and I only did it because my uncle it was calling me names and I figured I better toughen up and go out there and play a contact sport. Uh, so I was really crappy in ninth grade, didn't really play well. And, uh, but that played basketball I was really good. I was a pretty decent athlete, could run around and jump and, play and shoot and play. And that was my sport. Uh, my senior year, well, I ended up getting better in football and got to the point where I was being recruited by, by teams like Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech and and Rutgers and, uh, you know, Minnesota, you know, not, not your top, top tier, but well, I was being recruited by a guy named Art Kehoe at the time. And Art Kehoe comes and brings Jimmy up to New Jersey to, 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 for a visit. We had a guy on our team uh, that was a real blue chip guy named David Griggs, who was one of the top recruits in the country. So I guess I got a little residual from that as well. Like coming in and seeing me play. Wait, with was him. he the guy that ended up playing for the Dolphins at one point? Correct. Yes, yes. He played for the Dolphins, went, went to Virginia, played for the Chargers, and then played for the Dolphins. Uh, he ended up uh, getting, a, getting a car accident and passing away, unfortunately. But uh, but but Jimmy came up to to do a home visit. Well, it was a it was a night. We had a night game at Cherry Hill West High School, uh, <laughs> and it was it was snowing. Jimmy and Jimmy and Art were down at Atlantic City. They left Atlantic City and the casinos to come to the basketball game. Well, they come to get to the basketball game. There's a foot of snow outside. We get in there. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those games I'm on the court and I don't know this, but he sits down and who sits next to him is Wes. Wes sits down next to him, sits down next to, uh, and, and my grandfather sitting right next to him. And he says, and Wes goes, Hey, I know you're here for Dave Griggs, but keep an eye on the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he tells Jimmy. Jimmy said, Jimmy says this verbatim. Why well, jump? I go out there and I jump center and I'm, I'm center. I'm the only white guy on the court, you know, and I'm jumping. He goes, Jimmy goes, he jumps center. He, he wins center. He's running down the court. He's dunking on people. He's shooting. I actually had one of those games that I was kind of, uh, you know, I was a little playing out of my butt a little bit. I was hitting shots I probably don't normally hit. But, uh, you know, anyway, at the end of the game, all that stuff being said, David Griggs ends up blowing Jimmy off on a home visit. Says, no, nah, I'm going to go to Virginia. I don't want to. Well, Jimmy, if you know Jimmy, Oh, he's pissed off now. He gets, he gets so pissed off. He turns to, he turns to Archeo and goes, 
I don't care about that great kid, but you better not lose the white kid. Wow. And that's how I got recruited down there. That's how I came to Miami. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. That's great. So 87, UM Florida State, we know how it ends, right? Walsh to Irvin. But what do you guys remember about that game? I started off. I don't know if you remember this, Greg. Jerome Brown, Winston Moss, and I think Alonzo, they 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 held out. Uh, It was a lockout or whatever it was. So they didn't play that first week or so. So they was on our sidelines. And we, we got down, what, 28 nothing, uh, uh, 28 6, or whatever it was. It was 28 nothing, 27, whatever it was. 19 3. It was 19 3. We went up 3 nothing. And then we and then I think then they scored 20. 19 3. 19 3. Correct. Yes, that's it. Then they went up and scored 19 straight on us. Yes. Right. So at halftime, we were flat. We go in there. Jimmy couldn't even make a speech. Jerome Brown. Alonzo and Winston Moss, I don't know if you remember that, Greg, took over the halftime speech. I do. They MF us and call us all kind of B's and P's and all you name. It, all right. And all, all of the above. Yes, sir. 15 minutes. I mean, Jimmy didn't have to say a word. He couldn't say a word because Winston Moss and they, they were so pissed and disappointed. But that halftime speech was one of the best uh, out of those three, ripped us a new one. And we felt like we were letting them down because, again, you know, like that, they brought up the Penn State situation. And here you are back in the situation. We're going to get out. But we went out and played lights out. That's when I got – I caught that pass over the middle to start the rally, took it to the house and scored. And the rest was history. I mean, just that that motivation for us. We didn't want to let our brothers who wasn't there, but they were back on the sideline because they had the, the holdout for, for, the, for that season. I don't know if you remember that, G. I do, I do, because you know what? I'll tell you who scares me um, is Winston Moss. That guy, that guy, let me, that's one of the first guys I met coming on campus. I thought he was 27 years old. You know, he was, wouldn't say a word, just look at you, and grunt. I was like, damn, that's a man. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? And I remember him getting on our ass in there, and because they were Sammy running Smith. up and down the field on us on defense. They are cutting us up. Who was the running back, Sammy? Yeah, yeah he was. He was he was gutting us there, and we weren't playing very well in defense. We weren't getting off blocks, and we were letting them letting them get take it to us a little bit. And um, I think it was um, hell. I think it was Danny Stubbs. We got we, I, you know we end up they tried to run a little screen pass as well. We started we start you know they came in at halftime. We started picking up the tempo. Danny Stubbs got an interception, I believe. Big man, you know, big man. So all these little things, all these little things, we started bringing it together again and, and came back. It was it was. Uh, the biggest thing I remember down there, it was, there was a lot of people, uh, you know, that weren't playing up to their ability, you know, or we felt we weren't playing up to their ability that found a way right. to make plays and get it done. And, and you know, and it, it wasn't just one guy. Obviously, everybody remembers the past to Michael and Melvin, you know, everybody remembers those one, two things. But again, you know, they're still going for it at the end to win the game. And we got to stop it. So it wasn't, it wasn't just one guy. It was a team effort. Team effort, yeah. yeah we came back and, and, and got it done. So were you guys nervous against South Carolina? Like, was that, did you get a little twitchy on that one? <laughs> Great. Was that the fight one? Which one was that I started to fight? Was that the one we had to fight or no? I think, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that was the one that yeah, it was a big fight out there. Danny, Danny, you know, didn't hear the whistle. It was clear. <laughs> He wait. He didn't hear the whistle. How did that go down? Did not hear the whistle. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were. I mean, we, I know they came in the Orange Bowl. We, we 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 they were playing right with us. They were playing a little flat. Offense was a little, you know, struggling. You know, with defense, we were. You know, we, 
it was kind of one of those back and forth games that way I remember it. Yeah, I think I remember they ran some play. We we ran some blitz up front and they ran like a little fullback deal. And all I remember looking at this first time I recognized that the Orange Bowl had a little bit of a bow in it. <laughs> was so far down the field, he, 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 it was like an 80-yard touchdown, I think he ran. And I'm looking, I go, wow, I didn't realize the Orange Bowl had a little bit of a bow. <laughs> but again, we found a way to get that done too at the end. And, you know, I would say I did have an interception that game. I won it only, by the way. Yeah. Just let you know, little middle screen. Who's that, Todd Ellis? You took Todd Ellis? <laughs> Todd Ellis, Todd my Ellis. man. Threw it right to me. Yes. <laughs> that was a little present. You know, we, we weren't that dominant of a team all the time and uh, we were still learning and still picking and still f- filling in spots and guys were still trying to play roles you know so when we played some games virginia tech i think was a close game we played them uh yeah. you know it was a close game at least in at least how it appears in the in the history was toledo i think it was like a 10 point game yeah I, I i don't know what happened yeah they were they were that was a touchdown game or maybe 10 point game yeah we weren't just blowing people away all the time i mean we were still learning ourselves and you know, figuring out you know, what to do out there. But you know, I'll tell you what, when, when, when we were put to the fire, though, we made the plays that need to get done. We knew how to win. win so. so then what was your guys' mindset going up against Oklahoma in the championship game? Melvin, was it, the, uh, was it like Alonzo in 86? Or what was, the, what was the belief factor before that one? We just believed. I mean, I think, you know, our confidence, we had got our swagger. We had our mindset that we felt that we never would lose this game. We knew that the Orange Bowl atmosphere is a home game. It was another home game for us. That's the worst thing they could have done is have us in the Orange Bowl for the National Championship because we were home. We knew that the, the, the humidity was going to kick in as a factor because when we played them some years ago, they were breathing. The hogs were breathing. They was just down. And we was in better shape, you know what I'm saying, as far as that. We knew in the fourth quarter, if it was close, we're definitely going to dominate that whole entire deal. So... We, we wasn't cocky, quote-unquote. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think so. Melvin, I don't know about that, dude. I don't know about that. We were confident. We were very confident. Okay, okay. That's exactly Greg, right. Greg, you, you, you concur with that assessment? Without a doubt. You know, I mean, we had no doubt. I mean, going into any game that we were, we were going to win it. You know, I mean, and, 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 you know, them coming in, you know, listen, the bigger the game, I think the better we played, the more focus we got. The more angles Jimmy had to to play his psych games on us, you know, I can remember him coming into 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 our defensive meetings uh, and sit down. He'd only be in there for like five ten minutes. You watch him film, then he'd start going back. Yeah, there's some big guys on the offensive line. I don't know, they're they're real road graders. They're this, they're that, you know. And just kind of to look back on it now, it was just psychology. It's just him saying, "Oh, oh, you're gonna let that guy beat you." So, you know, and I think that 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 was that was pretty much painted throughout the whole team. And we had no doubt. Listen, that game, you can look at the score. It wasn't as close as that. We were on them. They didn't know what to do. They, they, they you know, they got, I think, a, a, a fumble Ruski score to make it look like it was closer. But we, we put, we, we, we two touchdowns them easy, you know. So, you know, so, so. what'd y'all do that night, Melvin? What'd y'all do that night? <laughs> what do you mean, afterwards? <laughs> oh, yeah. How'd you celebrate? No, I was in the hospital. Remember, I blew my knee up. Oh, right. All right. So, Greg, what'd you do? Yeah, that's hey, boring, I, Melvin. I was Melvin, into- sorry. Well, Greg, what'd you do? You started smiling. I, I, well, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't do anything, right? I was in the hospital. I was in two rooms next to him there. I had to, I blew my thumb out. But and Oh, Jesus. Go, you guys but, are boring. Dude, come but, on. So, what did somebody else do? Someone told you a good story. Wait a second, boy. Oh, oh, Josh, relax. Relax. All right. Sorry. I, sorry the sorry, nights sorry. are long in my ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went in, they just, they just reset it and put me in a cast and, 
and set me out the door with some with some painkillers. I was like, oh boy, life's gonna be good tonight. That's trouble. That's trouble. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. I mean, when you're home and you have those big games, you have all your family in town, so it's it's kind of not that party. It was more the week, the 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 days and the weeks after that the parties really kicked in. To be honest with you. And what we did, I, you know, there wasn't a door that wasn't open to us. Let's put it that way. And there wasn't an option that was not available, if you know what I mean. And uh, being young, dumb, and, 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 and all hyped up on winning, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of things we probably don't want to say would happen. Right? All right. We'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean. <laughs> no, but, you know, what? We, we, you know, a lot of times after the games, we'd, go, we'd all go back to the – now, these were home games, so, you know, the Orange Bowl – but after normally after bowl games, we go back to the hotel and we'd have a big, you know, little shindig there with the coaches and the families and everything. And then, then we'd splinter off the guys that still had some energy left, wanted to go off, <laughs> do their things, whether down at South beach, wasn't that big of a thing at the time, but there was still some the Grove. Come on. I know y'all had to take care of the ah, Grove. Are you kidding me? The Grove. That's yeah. I still live in the Grove. Does that tell you something? There you go. Your name's <laughs> on the wall somewhere, right? Hey, hey. Josh, he had that place since college, so go figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. He walks down the they still they still recognize him. Yeah. We've heard stories about you, old man. Are you going home early tonight? Hey, I, I can tell you at that time, I was just a sophomore, so I wasn't even 21, I don't think. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! Hey, so Melvin, just to bring this, we're going to bring this full circle. So Alonzo's back. How can he help? Well, I mean, with his knowledge of evaluation, of evaluating of talent is very key. We didn't go about stars. We didn't care about who's a five-star, three-star, two-star. We didn't give a damn if you didn't have no stars. But the, the stars come from your heart, what you, what, what you bleed in, inside. So those are the type of stars that we look for eternally in the heart. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's, that's what we built it off that. Greg, do you concur with that assessment? Without a doubt. I, I, I think, you know, uh, with, with the recruiting becoming so public <laughs> and, so, and so rated and some, something else to win really isn't about that. It's about finding the right fit. And I think that's what, you know, uh, that's what gets lost sometimes. You have to have a guy like Alonzo that understands it. Guy, like, like Melvin said, you got to have a guy that you know is going to be right next to you. You turn down that dark alley, you don't have to worry about who's behind you. You know he's there. And, 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 not, and I'm not talking just fist fighting and this and that. Uh, I, I'm talking about a mentality. And, in, in, and when, when uh, Melvin talks about in the heart, that's what it's about. It's about a winning mentality. It's about to do whatever you can do. And not a lot of guys have it. I mean, we got, we got all these different other things. I ain't going to get into all the NIL stuff, which I, I, I truly believe in, but I think it, it has an issue. It, it, it is a factor in some things, but it's all this, you know, this portal, transfer portal stuff. You know, guys don't, guys don't commit. They don't come in and put both feet in. They get one foot in and if they don't get what they like, they're off somewhere else. You got to find the guys that want to jump two feet in and don't, and, and, and want to give all their all and just want to be dogs out there and, and play it like, and, and, 
to, to, to again, back to Melvin's thing. I was a coach on that team. I know Brett Romberg. He was a dog. They had a bunch of dogs on that team that could play for us back in the day. And that, and that's, that, that, that was because those guys got it. They figured it out, you know, talent wise, obviously superior to a lot of teams, but as far as their mentality goes, they could have played against us. I would have loved to see an 86, 87 play 2000, 2001. You know, I think it would have been a dog fight to the end. I don't know who would win it. I mean, I got an idea, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> so let me guys ask you one last thing, because Greg, you just talked about, you know, you, we've talked about, you know, 84, 85, 86, and then 87. Greg, you were there, you know, 97, 98, 99. And then finally the breakthrough in 01. So I, look, we're, we're a few games into Mario's regime, obviously, but it takes time. In my opinion, it takes time and maybe, and obviously some adversity, which you guys have all encountered. Is that fair? And should people kind of just step back for a second and say, we've, the two of you have endured things just like this. Uh, you're asking me, I'm telling you right now, it's one of the most difficult things to do. It's football is the greatest team sport there is. You could have the best players at certain positions, but if your left tackle don't block that left end, it don't matter that you got Michael Irving or you got, you know, Melvin Bratton running free because you can't, you don't have time to get the ball off. So it's, it is a tough situation. And I went into this season and I heard all the hype and I, I, listen, I want to believe it too. I goes, I I goes, I love the university of Miami and I, and I love Mario and what he's doing there. And I want, and I want them to be back. I want but we're not there yet. And Mario, if to be honest, I think, you know, and, and I haven't, I'm not speaking for him or putting any words in his mouth, I'll probably say the same thing. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to get to that point. And I, I looked at it and we got a lot of, a lot of decent players come in to fill some holes that we had guys that, that still need to grow and, and, and mature and gel together. But I was really judging this season, you know, from, from, from the outside looking in, not how we won games, but or how many games we won, but how we handled losing and how we went out. And if we did lose a game, how we lost that game, because there's been times in the past I've been, I, you know, it, when, when things weren't going well, you kind of get embarrassed about how you perform. Don't get embarrassed because you lost because, you know, there's, there, there's two guys, there's two teams out there fighting, but it's how you lose. It's how you go about it. Uh, you know, and again, from my experience as a coach, I mean, you can learn a lot from losing, a lot more from losing than you can from winning in, in, in certain situations. And I think this is a great learning experience for him. So I said, yes, sit back. Let's let, let's let Mario and his staff do their thing, get these guys going. And, you know, let's, let's, let's let this season play out and, and, and give him a chance to do his thing. I think they're going in the right direction, and, and I, I'm 100% behind it. Melvin? You know, somebody made a comment to me uh, uh, the other day that with the transfer portal and all the different stuff that's going on, you got to look at a middle Tennessee. They have four and three star guys, not a whole lot of them, you know, saying like that. And Greg using that recruiting and the whole deal as a coach. And I never you know, got a chance to do that. I didn't want to do it. But but those guys are top notch. You know, it just, there's a few sprinkle of guys who are dogs that were at a Notre Dame or at bigger schools, but whatever, for whatever reason, it worked out. So somebody brought that point to me. I was like, dang, you know what? You, 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 you know, you got a point. So we may fall into a trap mentally thinking this is a pushover team or whatever. You, you can't judge because if, if I was a coach on the other side, I would say, listen, if you guys want to go to the next level, this is a game every NFL coach or scout is going to look at. 
what you do against these guys. So the motivation factor that me, I would use, and I saw uh, we played in a game, the Citrus Bowl or something some years ago. And I agree. I think you was coaching at the time and we lost that game. I don't know if you know, you know y'all won a lot of games, but some, we, we lost in an in, in, in in uh, Orlando game, whatever that bowl game in Orlando. And that team, they watched the 30 for 30, the youth. I, I read the article after the game. They put that instead of going to the movies, Greg, like we normally do on Fridays before pregame with the team, they, they had a hotel. They had they put the U in and they convinced psychologically these are the guys that you're playing against. These are the type guys. So you got to take your energy higher than these guys because this is who you're playing against. And that was a hundred years ago, but they used it as a motivation. Who was the head coach was? It was smart and brilliant. So people still say, hey, y'all playing against the old Canes mindset and people are going extra hard. So you can't take one, two plays off because it could turn to, as you saw, big plays. So I think, you know, every game, the, the mindset, if we lose, I want to lose in, into a battle, not just lose the lay down. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, this was fun. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Have fun. 68 of you getting together and reminiscing and celebrating and you guys accomplished a lot. You guys are hallmarks in this program. People love you and I uh, appreciate y'all doing this. All right, Josh. Thank you. Greg, love you, bro. I'll see you next week. See you you, got it, bro. you know what? I'm going to, I just one last thing. I'm going to agree with Greg. I wish that sticker was still on your computer. <laughs> <man>. <laughs>